Book number eight, sections one through four of Politics by Aristotle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Politics by Aristotle, translated by Benjamin Jowett, book number eight, sections one through four. Book eight, section one. No one will doubt that the legislator should direct his attention above all to the education of youth, for the neglect of education does harm to the constitution the citizen should be molded to suit the form of government under which he lives. For each government has a peculiar character which originally formed and which continues to preserve it. The character of democracy creates democracy, and the character of oligarchy creates oligarchy, and always the better the character, the better the government. Again, for the exercise of any faculty or art, a previous training and habituation are required, clearly, therefore, for the practice of virtue. And since the whole city has one end, it is manifest that education should be one and the same for all, and that it should be public and not private not as at present, when everyone looks after his own child separately, and gives them separate instruction of the sort which he thinks best. The training in things which are of common interest should be the same for all. Neither must we suppose that any one of the citizens belongs to himself for they all belong to the state, and are each of them a part of the state, and the care of each part is inseparable from the care of the whole. In this particular, as in some others, the Lacedaemonians are to be praised, for they take the greatest pains about their children, and make education the business of the state. 2. That education should be regulated by law and should be an affair of the state is not to be denied. But what should be the character of this public education, and how young persons should be educated, are questions which remain to be considered. As things are, there is a disagreement about the subjects for mankind are by no means agreed about the things to be taught, whether we look to virtue or the best life. Neither is it clear whether education is more concerned with intellectual or with moral virtue. The existing practice is perplexing. No one knows on what principle we should proceed. Should the useful in life or should the higher knowledge be the aim of our training? All three opinions have been entertained. 
Again, about the means there is no agreement, for different persons starting with different ideas about the nature of virtue naturally disagree about the practice of it. There can be no doubt that children should be taught those useful things which are really necessary, but not all useful things, for occupations are divided into liberal and illiberal, and to young children should be imparted only such kinds of knowledge as will be useful to them without vulgarizing them and any occupation, art, or science, which makes the body or soul or mind of the free man less fit for the practice or exercise of virtue, is vulgar. Wherefore we call those arts vulgar which tend to deform the body, and likewise all paid employments, for they absorb and degrade the mind. There are also some liberal arts quite proper for a free man to acquire, but only in a certain degree, and if he attend to them too closely in order to attain perfection in them, the same evil effects will follow. The object also which a man sets before him makes a great difference. If he does or learns anything for his own sake or for the sake of his friends, or with a view to excellence, the action will not appear illiberal. But if done for the sake of others, the very same action will be thought menial and servile. The received subjects of instruction as I have already remarked, are partly of a liberal and partly of an illiberal character. 3. The customary branches of education are in number 4. They are 1. Reading and writing. 2. Gymnastic exercises. 3. Music, to which sometimes is added. 4. Drawing. Of these reading and writing and drawing are regarded as useful for the purposes of life in a variety of ways, and gymnastic exercises are thought to infuse courage. Concerning music a doubt may be raised. In our own day most men cultivate it for the sake of pleasure, but originally it was included in education because nature herself, as has been often said, requires that we should be able not only to work well, but to use leisure well. For, as I must repeat once again, the first principle of all action is leisure. Both are required, but leisure is better than occupation and is its end and therefore the question must be asked, what ought we to do when at leisure? Clearly, we ought not to be amusing ourselves, for then amusement would be the end of life. But if this is inconceivable, and amusement is needed more amid serious occupations than at other times, for he who is hard at work 
has need of relaxation, and amusement gives relaxation, whereas occupation is always accompanied with exertion and effort. We should introduce amusements only at suitable times, and they should be our medicines, for the emotion they create in the soul is a relaxation, and from the pleasure we obtain rest but leisure of itself gives pleasure and happiness and enjoyment of life which are experienced not by the busy man but by those who have leisure for he who is occupied has in view some end which he has not attained but happiness is an end since all men deem it to be accompanied with pleasure and not with pain this pleasure, however, is regarded differently by different persons, and varies according to the habit of individuals. The pleasure of the best man is the best, and springs from the noblest sources. It is clear, then, that there are branches of learning and education which we must study merely with a view to leisure spent in intellectual activity, and these are not to be valued for their own sake. Whereas those kinds of knowledge which are useful in business are to be deemed necessary and exist for the sake of other things, and therefore our fathers admitted music into education not on the ground either of its necessity or utility, for it is not necessary, nor indeed useful in the same manner as reading and writing, which are useful in money-making, in the management of a household, in the acquisition of knowledge, and in political life nor like drawing useful for a more correct judgment of the works of artists, nor again like gymnastics, which gives health and strength, for neither of these is to be gained from music. There remains then the use of music for intellectual enjoyment in leisure, which is in fact evidently the reason of its introduction this being one of the ways in which it is thought that a free man should pass his leisure, as Homer says, but he who alone should be called to the pleasant feast, and afterwards he speaks of others whom he describes as inviting, the bard who would delight them all. And in another place Odysseus says, there is no better way of passing life than when men's hearts are merry, and the banqueters in the hall, sitting in order, hear the voice of the minstrel. It is evident, then, that there is a sort of education in which parents should train their sons, not as being useful or necessary, but because it is liberal or noble whether it is of one kind only, or of more than one, and if so, what they are, and how they are to be imparted, must hereafter be determined. 
This much we are now in a position to say that the ancients witness to us. For their opinion may be gathered from the fact that music is one of the received and traditional branches of education. Further, it is clear that children should be instructed in some useful things, for example, in reading and writing, not only for their usefulness, but also because many other sorts of knowledge are acquired through them. With a like view, they may be taught drawing, not to prevent their making mistakes in their own purchases, or in order that they may not be imposed upon in the buying or selling of articles, but perhaps rather because it makes them judges of the beauty of the human form. To be always seeking after the useful does not become free and exalted souls. Now it is clear that in education practice must be used before theory, and the body be trained before the mind, and therefore boys should be handed over to the trainer who creates in them the proper habit of body, and to the wrestling master who teaches them their exercises. 4. Of those states which in our own day seem to take the greatest care of children, some aim at producing in them an athletic habit, but they only injure their forms and stunt their growth. Although the Lacedaemonians have not fallen into this mistake, yet they brutalize their children by laborious exercises which they think will make them courageous. But in truth, as we have often repeated, education should not be exclusively or principally directed to this end. And if we suppose the Lacedaemonians to be right in their end, they do not attain it. For among barbarians and among animals, courage is found associated not with the greatest ferocity, but with a gentle and lion-like temper. There are many races who are ready enough to kill and eat men, such as the Achaeans and the Henioxi, who both live about the Black Sea and there are other mainland tribes as bad or worse, who all live by plunder, but have no courage. It is notorious that the Lacedaemonians themselves, while they alone are assiduous in their laborious drill, were superior to others, but now they are beaten both in war and gymnastic exercises for their ancient superiority did not depend on their mode of training their youth, but only on the circumstance that they trained them when their only rivals did not. Hence we may infer that what is noble, not what is brutal, should have the first place. No wolf or wild animal will face a really noble danger. Such dangers are for the brave man, and parents who devote their children to gymnastics 
while they neglect their necessary education, in reality vulgarize them, for they make them useful to the art of statesmanship in one quality only, and even in this the argument proves them to be inferior to others. We should judge the Lacedaemonians not from what they have been, but from what they are. For now they have rivals who compete with their education. Formerly they had none. It is an admitted principle that gymnastic exercises should be employed in education, and that for children they should be of a lighter kind avoiding severe diet or painful toil, lest the growth of the body be impaired. The evil of excessive training in early years is strikingly proved by the example of the Olympic victors, for not more than two or three of them have gained a prize both as boys and as men. Their early training and severe gymnastic exercises exhausted their constitutions. When boyhood is over, three years should be spent in other studies. The period of life which follows may then be devoted to hard exercise and strict diet. Men ought not to labor at the same time with their minds and with their bodies, for the two kinds of labor are opposed to one another the labor of the body impedes the mind, and the labor of the mind the body. End of Book 8, Sections 1 through 4 Recording by Robert Scott, mojomove411.com M-O-J-O-M-O-V-E 411.com August the 22nd, 2007.